the Yak Legion Podcast, and the Buckeye Kayak Fishing Podcast are sponsored by the Buckeye Kayak Fishing Trail. You can reach them at BuckeyeKayakFishingTrail.com. Strictly Sail in Blue Ash, Ohio. Reach out to Brian for all your Hobie needs at 513-984-1907. And American Tackle Company. You can find them at americantackle.us. That's one more time. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to the Yak Legion Podcast. This is Zach Carell. Uh, welcome to the new year. Tonight, I have Jason Gardner on from the great state of Maine. And, uh, man, this guy has quite a, uh impressive background in kayak fishing. Um, he won the 2018 Massachusetts Kayak Bass and Knockout Champion. Um, he was first place in the Maine Yak Anglers Championship. He won three main yak angler events in the past two years. Man, you got all kinds of wins behind you, man. Did I miss anything? <laughs> uh, not as far as wins go, but, you know, I'm still looking for that big win. You know, the uh, the traveling out of state, you know, either, uh, you know, KBF, Hobie Bass, or maybe even the new Bass Series. Uh, you know, then, uh, then I'll feel a little bit better about what I'm doing. But, uh, you know, hey, a win's a win no matter where you're fishing. Oh, yeah, man. So you're going to do the Hobie Bass Open this year and the Bass? I really want to, man. You know, uh, the, the hard part is, is you know, the only one really coming up up close enough is, is KBF right now. And, um, yeah. you know, so that that's kind of where, you know, where I'm loyal to fishing. Um, you know, they're, they're willing to take a chance on us up here supporting the events. So, um, you know, there's, there's a, they have a huge backing up this way. Uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for what AJ's doing with the Hobie Bass Open Series and, you know, his, his whole group. Uh, and I'm dying to uh, to go fish one of their events. I'm really looking uh, hard at the Lake Erie event. It's really the closest one to me, but it's still 15 hours each way. So, um, you know, that's a long haul. And uh, the Bass Series, I mean, the, the closest event, I think, is 18 to 20 hours. So wow. um, uh, those are big commitments. So, you know, I got, I got to make sure I save some vacation for the family. So. We'll oh yeah, definitely, you. man. It could, it could be a full time job just getting to some of these places. I fished uh, my first Hobie Bass Open Series event this past September, and I went to fish down to Gunnersville. But that was only seven hour drive for me. That wasn't too bad. No, no. I mean, last year, I mean, I, I put on more miles than I think I ever did. I mean, we were, you know, Maine to Louisiana for the KBF National Championship. I mean, you're looking at that was 36 hours each way. Uh, wow. Went to Lake Anna. That was almost 17 hours each way. Uh, went to East West Harbor. That was, uh, I think, uh, all said and done travel. I think that was the same 16, 17 hours each way. Um, so, you know, I've put in a lot of miles, but, you know, I, I'd much rather stay closer to home. Um, but, you know, if uh, you're going to chase those bigger events, that's what you got to do. Yeah, you were East Harbor, West Harbor? Yeah. Yeah, I fished yep. that too. I was, I was up there. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. I did well there. I finished ninth out of the 132. Took uh, made a little bunny. Um, nice man. Loved fishing up there. Uh, didn't fish at all where I planned on it free fishing, but uh, I went up, uh, rode up with Ken Wood, and uh, you know we made the trip. And he had a he had a spot and um, on a map, and I was like real hesitant to go fish it. it. It just didn't look like my style of fishing. And you know we uh, we hit the ramp. I don't know. It must have been three o'clock in the morning when we got in. You know, drove straight straight to the ramp from here. And uh, I'd say an hour and a half in, and we both had decent limits. I mean, it's probably somewhere between 81 and 85, 86 inches, you know, just fun fishing. And so we immediately, uh, we left. We didn't stay there long. 
uh, and went and fished a couple other spots pre-fishing, but, you know, oh, wow. uh, went right there and then had a good day. What'd you throw out there? <laughs> uh, to be honest, I, I took uh, I pre-fishing, I threw a lot, but uh, when I hit the tournament, um, I threw one rod all day, and that was uh, through a jackhammer, and uh, I was fishing real shallow, um, right against the, some weed edges, and um, it, it fished a little bit different. Uh, and during the tournament than pre-fishing. So it took me a little bit longer to kind of pick up that pattern. But, uh, but once I figured it out, man, it was, it was fish all day. And, and the spot I was in, I fished the same almost bank shoreline. I don't know. It was probably maybe 150, 200 yard section all day. And uh, I'd fish one spot, pull a couple of fish out, move further down the bank, pull a couple of fish out and it would refill back up. And I just hit the same spots over and over again. And, um, once I went through a couple of times, I didn't catch anything. I went kind of further down and let it rest for a little while and then came right back down and started the, the whole thing again. You know, probably caught like 15 fish or so the whole day. And um, I lost a couple, one real early, um, really probably should have had a top, you know, three or four finish. Um, but, you know, that's how it goes. Everyone's losing fish during tournaments. So. Yeah. Yeah. My buddy, Sean Skidmore and uh, Chris Hannigan. Yeah. In first and second place in that tournament, man. And, you know, they fish that every year. They know East East Harbor, West Harbor. They know both those uh, bodies of water like the back of their hand, man. And uh, we were fishing against a lot of a lot of tough guys out there. Uh, Kurt Smith was out there. Um, Aaron Steiger. I mean, these guys go up to Lake Erie all the time and fish. And uh, I know Kurt Smith. He's won that that uh, event several times. And um, I was kind of surprised he didn't do better than he did. But he 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 rocked it himself. Yeah. Did a little bit better than me, but <laughs> yeah, I actually talked to Smitty. So we uh we drove by. We you know like I said, Ken and I pre-fished one day, went to a different spot, and on our way back through on day two of pre-fishing, um we saw uh, Smitty sitting right in my hole, and I uh, I grabbed my phone and sent him a message. I said, get out of my spot, and uh, you know he replied back, I'm just giving a little love, and uh, he he probably pulled probably 25 fish out of that one hole, um. And, uh, but oh. he, he probably ended up costing himself because the first, you know, that day of the event, he went and launched where he was going to fish, couldn't find anything, pulled all the stuff out, came back over to where we were fishing, you know, just a few hours into the day, launched, and then he sat right in that hole um, almost the whole day. And, you know, I kept joking with him throughout the day about it. But, uh, but, but he, he did well. I mean, hit him, uh, myself, and then even uh, Dave Brook and, uh, and Ken Wood, we all fished that same spot. And, uh, you know, we, the, all four of us finished in the top 10. So, uh, you know, there, there was quite a few fish there. Um, wow. And I was, I was pretty happy. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So, uh, tell me about Maine. Is there a lot of uh, kayak trails in Maine? So, right now, there's two, almost three, really. But um, there's my trail, which is Maine uh, Yak Anglers. Um, there's Kayak Bass Anglers of Maine. Then there's kind of a relatively new group that's kind of moved in called Slay Nation. Um, they're a little bit different because uh, they allow um, like John boats and uh, and canoes as well. Um, oh. And their John boat's going to be like 10 feet or something like that, maybe 12 feet or less. But uh, but they also have kayaks um, and they they also do it kind of like a team style where you can you could have like two people in a John boat and their best five fish. So so they're a little bit different, but good group of guys. I, I talk to them all. Um, uh, quite a bit um you know we're you know we're all trying to get along up here and you know it's really the only way we're going to continue to to kind of get better as anglers and grow is you know to get along and and kind of stop the uh the infighting in the sport oh i agree with you man 
I, it's, it gets kind of cutthroat between some of these trails and some of these states. And <laughs> yeah. They're all competing against each other and trying to be the biggest trail. And, you know, it can create a, a lot of harshness and a lot of nastiness between anglers. And you know what? That's not what kayak fishing is about. Uh, one of the things that drawed me into the sport was um, the brotherhood and the, um, just people are nice to each other, man. There's, it's competitive, but people are willing to help you out. And, uh, yeah, so one, one thing I we started with our trail was we have a code of conduct policy. And, you know, there's just wow. certain things that I'm just not going to not gonna allow on the trail, right? You, you're, you're not going to get all pissed off at the launch and swear and get mad if you have a bad day. You know, I mean, there, there's kids that are around that place around all the launches and stuff like that and that's not how we want to represent ourselves right and you know my group is is it's awesome you know i've never seen anything like it kayak wise or, or even fishing wise but you know we get back from an event and you know we don't have a ton of guys 15 20 guys fishing at one of our regular trail events and we're all talking i mean we're talking about where we caught our fish what we caught them on you know just trying to get everybody to improve because we can get the guys on our own trail to improve it'll kind of push us to improve too um, but, uh, but yeah, we're, we're not going to tolerate the negativity and, and all that stuff on, on the trail. So, um, you know, we don't really allow bashing other trails or other anything, you know, in public or, or anything like that, right on social media. We don't want, we don't want that stuff, right. We want to be kind of different than everybody else. And, and, uh, you know, if, if I, I got all the time, I see negativity, uh, you know, on online and, you know, I just unfriend people and just kind of leave it because, you know, I'm trying to stay as positive as I can. You know, there's an awful lot of negativity online, and it's a bad thing. You know, sometimes I think about just leaving Facebook, you know, because it gets kind of nasty on Facebook, man. People get real <laughs> passionate about what they believe in, and yeah. it just seems like we're in a, in a day and age where people are either left-sided or right, and they're not willing to come compromise, you know? Yeah. They have yeah. one way of thinking, and they're not open to anything else besides the way they think. Yeah, you know, I, I like to say also, too, that, Sometimes it's just those people that aren't happy unless they're miserable or making other people miserable. And, uh, you know, there's for every good thing that, you know, I do or somebody else does, there's always going to be somebody there to cut them down. So if you can get rid of those people out of your life and just, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, stick to the people that are going to be positive, you'll just be much better off. Oh, 100 percent. So I know in Maine, isn't there a little bit of uh, saltwater fishing you could do out there? Man, we got some great uh, saltwater fishing. Um, I'd say so. Yeah, we got big striped, you know, striped bass down this way. Um, we got bluefish, mackerel, um, you know, all kinds of stuff, black sea bass. Um, you go towards, uh, closer towards, um, you know, Connecticut, um, and that way, and you know, you got totog and, and all kinds of stuff, man. Um, flounder, fluke, you know, all that stuff. Uh, but okay. I, I've never taken my kayak out in the salt water. I, you know, I'm just always so busy freshwater fishing or getting ready for the next event, but uh, I've told myself i'm gonna this year wow well that's what goes to my next question what kind of kayak are you on so uh this year i'm moving back into a, a hobie uh, oh, i'm waiting right. for my dealer to kind of take stock right now there's been a little bit of a delay uh but uh i'll either be in the uh the new 2020 360 or uh, i might go with the 180 drive um you know we'll uh, we'll kind of see what's available when i'm uh, when i'm ready to go pick it up hopefully uh not this coming weekend, but the following weekend, I'll uh, I'll head down to Three Bells and uh, and pick it up. Oh wow, man! I know that 360 drives something else. That new uh, 2020 Pro Angler, <laughs> that thing's awesome. I know our dealer here in Cincinnati strictly sell on kayak. Um, 
they got those suckers in stock and I've been seeing people take off with them. And right now I can't, I don't have the pocket for one right now. I'm still in my 2016 and you know, <clears throat> I'm happy with it. To be honest with you, I enjoy my boat quite a bit and, uh, man, I really love the Hobie kayaks, about every yeah. kayak I've been into, you know, there's a lot of br good brands of kayaks, but that's just the one that fits me the most. Yeah. I'm kind of a bigger guy and I just, I'm real comfortable in them Hobie PAs. Yeah. 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 I started out in a Vibe Sea Ghost. Actually, it was, uh, you know, I didn't know anything about kayak fishing. I had a good buddy of mine in Tennessee, uh, Jason Burden, kind of talk talking to me about, um, you know, getting into kayak fishing just for the fun of it. And, uh, you know, so I, I went out and bought one of those Vibes, and um, it was a good kayak. Um, you know, and, and it's funny because I'm gonna say it was heavy, you know, but here I am hauling a Hobie. But uh, but it was it felt a little heavy, you know, um, for what I what I wanted. Um, it was a great kayak for what it was. It was you know for what I wanted and and for what I was using and you know the very next year I got into a Hobie and uh, you know everything kind of changed and spent the next uh, two years in Hobies uh, went into a Bonafide last year put a Torquedo on the back of it and uh, I really love fishing out of that thing um, you know and it's funny you know there, there's people that either love them or hate them and uh, you know I, I have no issues you know issues with those kayaks um, especially when I threw the Torquedo on the back um, you know, fished it the same. I'd stand up fishing most of the day. Um, really didn't notice any difference uh, fishability-wise. But, uh, you know, the only thing that I, I felt like what I needed um, was, you know, there were times when you just needed to make that small minor adjustment. And I didn't necessarily want to grab for a paddle and put the rods down or, or turn on the motor and, you know, spark up the water. And that's kind of the one thing I missed about having the pedal drive. And, uh, you know, so, you know, sold the Torquedo, sold the, uh, sold the Bonafide and going back into the Hobie and, uh, you wow. know, and yeah. I'm looking so it seems like you've had, one. you've had quite a few kayaks. Um, how did you get into kayak fishing? What was your first kayak? So it was that Vibe Sea Ghost and it was my buddy Jason in Tennessee. Um, I, I fished my whole life. I mean, well, I say that, but you know, I, I fished up until, I don't know, I was probably 18, 19 years old. And then, you know, life kind of took over. It's time to go to college, get a job, all that stuff. And, um, ended up uh, meeting my wife and we moved to Florida for like nine years. And I mean, I was living right outside of some of the best bass fishing um, yeah, in the yeah. country. I mean, I was five minutes from Lake Toho, you know, Kissimmee Chain of Lakes. And I built a house not far from, you know, Claremont, which is uh, the first pro, pro uh, event for KBF this year. And I mean, I, I never went a line, never, never even thought about it. And uh, and when I moved back here, uh, you know, I, I got a job at, a, at Bath Ironworks. It's a high stress job. And, uh, you know, my wife kind of said, you got to get a hobby. And, and so I kind of picked fishing back up, got in the kayak. And um, then my uh, my competitive nature took over and got into tournaments. Oh, wow, man. That's awesome. That's pretty cool, man. What's your biggest catch out of Florida? Uh, I did. I never wet a line. I, I never never even went fishing when I was there. I, I did go down. Say what? Yeah, I did go down to Bianville, um and fished, uh, fished that uh, one of those events. Um, you know the Tenvitational or whatever two years ago uh flew down and uh and met my buddies and and we kind of fished that and and I had a, a few nice fish down there I mean nothing huge um I had one that was probably borderline four four and a half pounds or so um you know from that event but uh but yeah really that was about it wow that's but, awesome uh, yeah up here you know in our you know up in Maine fish don't necessarily get as big as what they do down south um yeah. so you know a five pounder is a quality fish up here and you know, last year I caught a nice, uh, you know, six pounder, caught two of them. Um, you know, so those were great for me last year. Um, 
you know, it's been a long time. The year before, I mean, I, I went the whole year and didn't catch a fish that was over, you know, 19, 19 and three quarter inches. So, which for up here is less than five pounds. So it was a, it was kind of a rough year for big fish last year or two years ago. Yeah, Ohio is sort of, sort of the same thing, man. Usually a five-pound bass is a trophy bass. Usually within 20, 20, 21, 22 inches, about the biggest fish you see in our in a lot of our trails. Sometimes there's a 23-incher. Uh, I know there's a guy last year, he caught a 10-pound uh, bass, and uh, it was um, – like 24 inches, uh, 23, 24 inches, and it was that sucker was huge, man. That's I was a nice. big bass. Yeah, and nice. I, I've had him on the podcast, um, the Fry brothers, uh, Trevor and Travis Fry, and he, each one of those brothers have caught a 10 pound bass a year the last couple of years. And um, they throw them big swim baits, man. They're big fans oh, of yeah. big swim baits, and um, they even got me throwing the uh, the trout glider. And, uh, <laughs> That's supposed to be one of the most less popular swim baits, and uh, yeah. that's the one they've been, they've been having some success on. So I, they kind of got me throwing that around a little bit, you know, playing with swim baits a little bit more this year. Yeah, that's one thing I have no success with, and you know, it's you know it's hard. I mean, I'd, I'd probably throw it fun fishing, um, but you know, the the big thing with the swim baits, you know, that you hear is you know you're throwing them all day waiting for one big bite, so. You know, most of the time when I'm getting out fishing, I, I'm either fishing an online event or a local event. So, you know, to sit there and think I'm going to throw, you know, a big swim bait all day, you know, looking for five big bites is uh, is kind of daunting. So, you know, I don't even own a own a, anything like that. But, uh, you know, I'd love to do it at some point. But, you know, I, I don't know. I ever hooked into a 10 pound bass. I'd probably quit fishing. I, I mean, what else is there to prove? Uh, you know, it'd be crazy. Uh, getting a 13. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. want to catch a 10, then I want to catch a 12, and I want to catch a 13. Yeah. I've seen a 14-inch a bass, a uh, 14-pound uh, bass that's um, been going around on the Internet this winter. Man, that sucker looks awful fat. Yeah. I'd love to have him on my wall, a big picture of him, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. We had a, you know, our state record is like, I and don't quote me on it, but uh, I don't know, it might be around, you know, 10 and a half, 11 pounds, right, is a state oh record. And, you know, one of my favorite places to fish <clears throat> up here in Maine, uh, you know, I used to fish it every weekend, and we had an event on it last weekend, or last year, and uh, we had all our kayaks on there. And it's some uh, older gentleman, I don't know, he, he had to have been 60 years old, and, uh, you know, he puts in his little sit-in kayak, and he's like pedaling up, and he just starts talking to me, and He's like, yeah, he's like, my wife and I were out here in these little sit-ins, you know, a couple weeks ago, and we caught a nine and a half pounder. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. He's like, no, you want to see a picture? I'm like, yeah. And uh, they ended up killing the thing and mounting it on the wall. I was like, man, I mean, you know, more power to him, right? I mean, that was the, that was how people grew up back then. You know, now, I mean, it's all about the replicas, right? You know, the younger guys are, you know, taking the measurements and, and all that stuff, and then you go get the replicas made, but. But, man, I mean, it, it was a beautiful fish. But all I could think of is, man, I fished this place, you know, I don't know, probably 15 times a year. And, uh, you know, never been that lucky. And to think there was a fish that big in there and now it's standing on somebody's wall, it was kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, I understand that. That's what I want to do. I want to do the replica. I'm gonna When I catch a big monster and I want to have it mounted, I think I want to just take a bunch of pictures of it with a measuring board and just get yep. all the angles, get all the sides, try to get different lights, and try to take as many pictures as I can as that bass and try to get a replica made, man. That'd be the thing to do. Throw it back in the water for him to get bigger. Absolutely. That thing would be a 10-pounder. Could be a oh, state definitely. record before too long. So, 
Definitely, man. So we'll go into a quick, quick commercial break here, and we'll get back, and we'll really get in some bass fishing talk. How about that, man? Sounds good. All right. We'll be back, everybody. And here is a word from our sponsors, Venom Lures in Lancaster, Ohio. They're known for their great soft plastics and terminal tackle. They've been providing quality products from right here in Ohio since 1984. Mr. Dustin Carnes is the new owner and inventor of the DK rig. It's a weedless version of the Ned rig that's taken the fishing world by storm. You can check them out at VenomLures.com. Our next one is Strictly Sail. It's located on Kenwood Road in Blue Ash, Ohio. They sell Hobie, New Canoe, Phil Freeze, Three Waters, uh, Johnny Boats, and they've been providing high quality service to fishermen and watercraft enthusiasts since 1978. Reach out to Brian Tacey at 513-984-1907 or you can check them out at strictlysailinc.com. We have American Tackle, baby, the inventors of the microwave line guide system. Great company, run by a great guy, Austin Todd. Definitely, definitely check them out. Their fishing rods are far superior. And then lastly, Fishing Real Fishing Company. They help make the logo of the Yak Legion. Great company. Check them out at realfishingco.com. And we're back with Jason Gardner. The kayak fisher from Maine. So, man, let's get in some bass fishing talk, man. So, anywhere you go in the country, what are three baits that you're bringing in your tackle box, man, that you don't leave home without? <laughs> so, uh, you know, the number one is going to be the jackhammer. Um, you know, there'll be uh, probably a thousand people that'll message after or comment and say something else. But, uh, you know, I, I throw uh, that's number one. Um, uh, Senko is number two, um, and that's what everybody else will say. You know, everyone always sees me with Senkos tied on. I, I catch more fish with Senkos. Um, guys up here ridicule me for it all the time. And, uh, you know, I've caught uh, my three biggest bass all on Wacky Rig Senkos. So, um, you know, and then uh, uh -huh. if it's the third thing, uh, lately I, I've really been kind of getting into rattle traps, um, something I, I never really had a whole lot of success with until last year. And, uh, you know, uh, I started throwing them right at, actually at the national championship last year and caught, um, you know, my first five fish down there all on the rattle trap. And, and from then on, um, you know, I just started getting more and more confidence with it. And, uh, and that would be number three. Them jackhammers are something else, man. They're a little pricey, but man, they catch some fish, don't they? Yeah, they do. I've been, uh, I've been lucky enough. To, I keep hitting the, the, uh, fish USA deals, you know, they'll run, you know, 20 off a hundred or 15% off your purchase. And, you know, so, um, you know, and they're pricing them at like 15 bucks or whatever. So I tend to I'm at least able to get them down to around 11 bucks, you know, which which still is, you know, people say is a lot of money for, you know, a chatterbait. But, you know, there's a lot of guys that are out there spending, you know, 18 bucks on crankbaits. And, you know, you know, there's, you know, talk about swim baits. There's some of those out there that are right four or five hundred dollars. And, you know, if uh, if I got enough confidence and uh, that uh, in those jackhammers that, uh you know, I'm going to spend 11 bucks on them, then, you know, so be it. I'll continue to do that. Oh, wow, man. How do you fish your chatterbaits? What um, rod reel you know, do you use? So um, I, I switched over mostly to Shimano. Um, I got a lot of the SLX. I got an SLX DC. I do have uh, a couple of the Concept Z13 fishing as well. Um, but uh, I usually throw um, on that one. I was, last year I was throwing the uh, the SLX 8-to-1 
gear ratio. Um, I fish it a little bit different than a lot of people. I, uh, I like to throw mine out and just let it sink. Um, and I, I get bit on the fall a lot. Um, and then once I do it hits the bottom, I usually let it sit for a little while. And then I, I slow roll it back. I, um, you know, try to just drag it across the bottom. Um, and that, that's how I have my most success. And, uh, you know, in years past, I've tried, you know, keeping it in the middle of the water column or, or a fast retrieve, and I, I can't get a bite on it. But as soon as I, I let it fall, for whatever reason, and slow roll it, uh, I seem to have a lot of success. You know, the chatterbait's pretty versatile bait. You know, you can fish it different ways. You can fish it like a jig. Uh, yep. You can s slow roll it. You can retrieve it fast. I mean, there's so many different ways you could use it. That's very, very versatile bait, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I primarily throw it in the grass, and I love ripping it through when it gets hung up on the grass. It's just really kind of ripping it, and a lot of the times it's it's once you rip it through and kind of go to reel in the slack, and it gets that little slight fall after after ripping it is uh, is typically when I get bit. Oh wow! Well, how do you fish your Senkos? You mainly just fish black wacky rigs, or? Yeah, I can't. I, I, I'm determined this year to catch something Texas rig, but. But, man, I have zero confidence in it. But I, I'm always wacky rigging. Um, you know, there's times when I'll have three three rods just with uh, wacky rig worms on it. You know, three different colors is all I really fish. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll keep those three tied on. And if they're not catching – if I'm not catching anything on one, I'll grab another color and find out what they want. And, uh, you know, once I – you know, I'm always after the limit first. And once I get a limit, you know, I'll, I might move away from the Senkos and, and go after, you know, bigger bait bigger fish type of stuff you know throw some crankbaits um i don't have a whole lot of success with jigs but but i will throw them from time to time um and spinnerbait you know you know i can catch some big fish on spinnerbait but um uh, but I, I love wacky rigging what uh, what three colors did you have tied on uh i'll tell you two of them how about that so all right <laughs> <laughs> one of them one of them i i really don't tell anyone it's kind of stupid because there's like four thousand different colors but there's one that i just no matter where i am i always catch fish on so i don't tell anyone I never have it tied on. I always wait till I'm out on my spot before I cook that one up. But uh, other than that, I throw uh, I'll throw a you know a June bug um, is one of my favorites, uh, and then a uh, green pumpkin. Um, you know those two go to, and then you know my third one is uh, is kind of a kind of funky. But uh, but uh, I, you know I started making my own bait last year, and, and I've got some colors that I that I'm anxious to kind of try and uh, for this year that I think will work well. So we'll see. Oh, uh, so you pour your own soft plastics now? Yeah, I've been doing that for about a year, so it's, uh, you know, I, I just like coming up with new stuff, you know, create new colors, that type of stuff, and, you know, last year I threw those exclusively when I was wacky rigging and still had success, just like uh, when I was throwing the Yamamoto stuff, so. Oh, wow. What type of rattle traps do you typically throw? Um, you know, last year, the the most success I had was on the, uh, that, the cheap uh, cotton Cornell, um, you know, uh, I don't know, like two bucks at Walmart. Um, mm. And then uh, that's what I was using at the national championship. When I came back here, I started getting into some of the sixth sense stuff. And, uh, you know, I still throw the Sprite King uh, Red Eye Shad as well. Mostly oh, all cross uh, Nice. Yeah. So you said you want to travel more. You want to do more kayak fishing tournaments around the country. So say you're going to a new lake you've never been to before. So how do you study that lake? How do you figure out where the hot spots are, what the bass are doing, and how do you go about fishing it normally? Man, I'd love to say I have, uh, you know, a great idea of what I'm doing, but most of the time I, you know, I, I use Google Maps a lot, Google Earth, and, uh, you know, I just kind of zoom in on spots and find out what I like. I like to fish grass, I like to fish rocks, and I like to fish, uh, 
you know, around wood. And, uh, you know, usually I can, you know, find some of that. And if I find some of that stuff on maps, you know, I usually try to uh, get to a place a couple days early, um, go find the spots and see where I can find fish. But uh, if I can't find any of those three things, then it's going to be a long day of fishing for me. I, I'm not a, a deep water guy. I, I don't catch a lot of fish in water over 15 feet. Um, you know, so, you know, if I'm, you know, if I'm out in that type of stuff, uh, or you ever see me fishing 30 feet of water, you know, it's been a long day. Yeah. Do you have, uh, do you, what electronics do you use? What was that? Uh, right. This year I switched up. I had Lawrence, um every year before this. And um, I bought one of the Raymarine um, Element HVs, you know, with the 3D vision. Um, and uh, so we're going to give that a try. Um, I, I liked them ever since they came out last year. Um, but I was pretty solid on the Lowrance. But the the one I had last year, I had the Hook 2, the 9-inch. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I just I wasn't seeing stuff that my buddies were seeing. You know, we could be literally right next to each other in kayaks. And, you know, they're seeing stuff I'm not. And, uh, you know, it could have been just a setting I had. Who knows? Um, but uh, but for whatever reason, uh, you know, I just kind of started losing confidence with it. So I just started using the uh, that fish finder for just depth, water, temperature, and uh, you know, and, and looking for structure. Um, but, um, you know, hopefully that Raymarine will, will uh, let me see things that I couldn't before. Yeah, it's a good brand. I've heard a lot of good things about them. I'm running the Hummingbird Helix, but uh, I've never yeah. had a Raymarine. Um, I never had a Lawrence either. I've had um, Garmin, the simple Garmin. Um, yeah. finder, and that seemed to work well. I have that still installed in my Perception um, Striker. That's what I started kayak fishing out. I was just perception striker sit on top of kayak and you know it was stable, five hundred pound um, weight capacity. I mean it was a light kayak and I spent the first three years kayak fishing on that thing and um, nice. you know that that Garmin little fish finder. I saw all kinds of stuff. I really couldn't see a lot of fish, but I could see like um, schools of bait and I would yep. use fish off those schools of bait, you know, the shad and stuff like that and do pretty good. And it, it gave me a basic image of what was under the water and the depth. Yeah, and that's kind of how I felt with, with the hook two I had last year. And like I said, maybe I didn't have it dialed in right. I don't know. But, uh, but you know, I you know I could be literally sitting over bait fish with a buddy and you could just see the, you know, a, a ball of bait right there. And I'm looking at my graph and, you know, I'm just seeing water. So, uh, you know, it made it difficult. But, you know, a lot of the times, you know, if I'm, you know, I'm fishing in that shallow water, you know, like east-west. I mean, I was fishing five feet of water or less. You're not looking for fish anyway. I mean, you're just looking for grass, looking for drop-offs, stuff like mm -hmm. that. And um, you know, once you once you kind of figure out what the fish want and where they are, you know, you I, I, I even stop looking at the graph and just try to find, you know, on land, find the same type of of you know, if I'm fishing off a point, I go try to find another point that looks like the one I'm on, and uh, you know, don't even really kind of use the the electronics from that point. Oh wow, man. That's pretty awesome. So uh, there's a point in the podcast in all my episodes where we do a fishing scenario game. And uh, that's where I'll go over three fishing scenarios I'll give you. Um, third one tends to be a little goofy sometimes. <clears throat> but uh, it's really um, meant to drag some information out of my guests. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it goes, man. You ready? Yeah, sure. All right, man. First fishing scenario, right? You're at your one of your local lakes in Maine. Um, I'm not familiar with Lane, Maine, so just any one of your lakes that you fish quite often. And it's in the middle of spring where we've had, uh, maybe it's um, post-spawn, but uh, we've had a lot of water and a lot of rain 
and um, your local lake is up, it's muddy, it's nasty, you know, it's cold outside, um, the water temperature is about, you know, upper 40s coming into the 50s, and um, it's just nasty, dude, looks like chocolate milk, man. So how would you go about fishing that lake, what are you throwing, what's your basic strategy you know, on a day like that? Man, that is everything that's kind of working against me right there. I am a clear water, warm temperature guy. Um, I, I do not do well in cold water. Um, but I will tell you that, you know, when, when up here, um, most guys have most of their success um, throwing jerk baits, um, especially in cold water up here. Um, it's, you know, right after ice out, when you get those, you know, upper, upper 30s, low 40 and uh, 40 degree weather, um, you know, guys are throwing jerk baits. I, I struggle with that in the kayak. I think a lot of it um, from talking actually with a with a buddy of mine uh, recently um, about my struggles with jerk bait fishing is uh, is I think my rods are too long, so I'm I'm having trouble like with getting that twitch because my rods are long. Um, but um, what I like to do actually is uh, I like to fish my rattle traps, um, and uh, similar to like I was with the uh, with the chatter bait, like I'll throw a uh, I'll throw a, a, a rattle trap out into let's say a rock pile or whatever it in the rock pile i just let it sink and then i'll i'll quickly um raise my rod tip up and let that um rattle trap kind of zoom up and then i'll reel i uh, i let it fall and i reel down the slack so as it flutters you know it'll kind of flutter down um looking like a bait fish you know kind of wounded bait fish I, and i get most of my strikes in the uh in the uh, cold weather that way um you know i've lost quite a few fish that way too because when you hit them on that downfall it's really a lot harder to, to get a good hook set, um, you know, especially with the small mouth down here. They're so aggressive. Um, but uh, but that's that's how I would go about it is, is I'd probably, you know, either have a jerk bait or a, uh, or a rattle trap tied on. I got you. Do you do much wintertime cold water fishing at all? Um, so um, we do ice fishing up here and mm. I've got a lot of ice fishing traps. Um, you know, it's nuts up here. They uh, we got lakes that'll have big tournaments and stuff like that. And, um, and, you know, guys got, you know, shanties out there and, you know, they'll have barbecue grills. They'll have, you know, trucks out on the ice and, mm. um, you know, it's almost like a big party and they'll go out there and, you know, I've got the traps and stuff. And I don't know, it was probably two or three years ago. I went out a few times, but, um, you know, after living in Florida for nine years and coming back here, I, you know, it, there's a lot to be said about being inside in the winter. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll go maybe once or twice a year, but it, it's not my thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. So here's fishing scenario number two. Say you're going down south for a fishing tournament. Let's say Chickamauga. So I don't know if you've had any experience there, but uh, maybe you do, maybe you don't. So go into a lake that you haven't had much experience on down south. What are a few baits you're going to bring and how are you going to go about fishing and planning your fishing trip? Um, so if it was, if I was going for a tournament, um, you know, not knowing the lake at all, um, I'd probably find, you know, a house, a cabin, tent site, something probably halfway up the lake just to uh, to give me more options, right? Halfway from one area to another. It doesn't kind of lock me in from either fishing south or fishing north, you know, find something in the middle. Um, and then I'd probably use that Google Earth or Google Maps looking for grass. Um, may go to even a local tackle shop and just, you know, asking, asking people, you know, hey, you know, what's working this time of year? You know, they typically in grass, rocks, you know, sitting in the drop-offs. Um, and typically bait wise, I mean, you know, I, I am not, you know, I don't know. I'm not cricking any one fishing. I mean, I, I you know, jackhammer, spinnerbait, um, you know, Senkos. Um, I'll, I will throw a Ned. I started throwing those a little bit last year. Always got a rattle trap tied on. Um, 
you know, and, and I'll probably just find and find some grass and fish what I know. Um, you know, if somebody tells me, you know, the fish are sitting in 30 feet of water and you need a drop shot, I'm probably going to be fishing shallow anyway, because uh, that's not my thing. Um, you know, but but I, I learned from two years ago going down to Kentucky Lake for the national championship. I was fishing all kinds of stuff I'd never thrown before because that's what everyone says work. And I, you know, I didn't catch fish, you know, for crap. And, um, you know, I started thinking, and I was like, you know, this isn't my style of fishing. I got to go find the stuff I know how to fish and, and, and do that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I go find some grass, go find the slot. Wow. That's a good answer, man. Awesome. So here's the third one, man. It's kind of scary. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to warn you. So say that. So say the bass fishing terrorist breaks down your door, man. He's got a bandana on. He's got little green fish on his bandana, maybe some scales. And he pulls a gun to your head. And he says, you've got one hour to catch one fish. You can only use one bait. You can go anywhere you want. But if you fail, it's the end of the road for you. You're buying the farm. What are you throwing and where are you going? All right, All right. so... I'm going to my hot spot. I'm heading to Weber Pond in Maine. It's uh, it's a small pond, uh, top 25 in the Northeast for bass fisheries, and no one ever fishes it. Um, I'm heading there, and uh, I got one. I got a wacky reg Senko, and and I probably catch a fish within 10 minutes of being on the water, maybe even less. Um, wow. you, you can you can catch some five pounders pushing off from the launch. So, uh, you know, and that's that spot that I was telling you about where we had the event last year and the guy caught the nine pounder. I, I've caught more five pound bass out of that. Um, I had one day three years ago when I went out and uh, I remember I made a post on Facebook and I said, uh, I said, I'm not coming home till I catch 50 largemouth. And, you know, guys are laughing and saying, yeah, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. And, you know, I, I was on the water at six and I think it was at one thirty in the afternoon. I post, uh, I marked on my fish finder every time I caught, caught a fish, you know, a largemouth and, uh, I think at 1.30, I caught number 56. And I was like, yeah, I think I got enough for the day. Um, so, you know, that's where I'm going. Well, it sounds like you're definitely surviving. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy, man. That'd be a scary situation, but be interesting. Definitely put you on your A game, that's for sure. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Awesome, man. Good job on answering all those, man. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, um I know we're going to wrap up here soon. I don't want to keep you all night. We, uh, we're recording tonight. It's actually New Year's Eve, and I'm getting ready to drink a few beers. Uh, not going anywhere tonight. It's going to stay at home. No drinking and driving. Nothing like that. Just going to enjoy myself and my family. Good plan. So, uh, now, one here's another question I ask all my guests. And it's a uh, craziest fishing story and a uh, craziest kayak fishing story. This could be something hilarious, man. It could be something scary to happen to you, something life-threatening. Uh, it could be a feel-good moment. What's one story that comes to mind? And so I'll give you a funny story. Um, so it was my, my very first fishing tournament. Um, and, uh, you know, I got no idea what I'm doing. Um, you know, I, I show up with my kayak. Um, I literally, I think I brought two rods with me. I was throwing, uh, I think I both, I had two top water baits on, right? That's what I most, at the time, I was most successful with. And, you know, I show up to this um, this event and, you know, meeting these guys, never talked to before, never met them, just met them through uh, online. And, I, and uh, you know, we go out to this place and, you know, I'm not catching any fish anywhere, a bunch of pickerel. Um, I go around into this cove and and uh, throwing this top water against some rocks and, uh had a nice fish come up and smash it. And, uh, 
you know, I get it almost to the boat and he snaps off the line and, uh, but my top water bait, he kind of threw that too. It kind of floated up. So I was like, Oh, great. So, you know, I pedal paddle over to it and, uh, I go to, I lean over to go grab it. And, uh, I just completely, I, I look down and as I'm picking it up, I look and I see the water breaching the gunnel and I just know I'm going over. So the whole kayak just flips. I mean, I didn't have anything tethered off. All my gears going to the bottom of the lake. Uh, you know, I was lucky I was in like six, maybe five and a half, six feet of water. I always have my PFD on, so I wasn't worried. But, you know, here's this new guy showing up and, and just completely just making a fool of myself. And I, I first thing I do when I get up, I'm looking around to see if anyone sees me and there's no one around. Thank God. <laughs> so I, I push the kayak like I kick paddle kayak to shore, flip it back over. I'm, I walk back out and I'm like diving down to grab, you know, gear, rods, tackle, um, all that stuff. And as I'm coming up, here come like two guys rounding around the corner and they're just laughing. And, uh, but you know, they're, you know, two of my best friends now and, and we talk and we still laugh about it to this day. Um, but, you know, they were over there, they're, they're grabbing their net, like helping me fish all my shit out. And, um, you know, I, had, I ended up, I think, catching one fish that whole day and it was right at the end of the day. Uh, but but it was terrible, man. It was it was it was embarrassing. I, I'd never, you know, never and you know, knock on wood, I'd never flipped before, and I've never flipped again after. Uh, but it, you know, just happened to be in that first tournament. That's funny, man. You know, I've been in the water too before, and they say there's two types of kayak anglers: those that's been in the water, and those that are uh, eventually will. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not kidding. It's you know, it's something that I hope never happens again, to be honest. I mean, you know, it's, I'm always, you know, feel like I'm safe and stuff like that. But, you know, I've been, you know, I had a good friend of mine, Ken Wood, almost die at, at Kentucky Lake a couple of years ago. And, and, you know, it's a, it didn't just affect him. It affected, a, you know, the whole group of guys that were down there and, uh, you know, affected uh, the buddy of his that kind of, that saved him. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's still not, you know, not always okay to this day, you know, they, they struggle a lot. So it's, you know, I don't ever want to see anybody flip again, but you know, once it happens and, and you're done with it, you know, you know, we all joke around about it now, but there's uh, there's still an undertone of seriousness with it, you know, and, and whatnot. So, you know, uh, once everyone's safe, you know, you can get a good laugh on it, but yeah, you know, hopefully it never happens to anybody else. It's very dangerous, you know, um, especially in colder water. I, I saw a story here recently. I think the guy was out of Texas and he was on an old town and uh, he had flipped over. Uh, the, it was 49 degree water, so it wasn't horribly cold, but it was still cold enough to give you hypothermia if you're out there long enough. Yep. And I guess he was floating out there something like seven hours before he made it to the bank. Um, I'm not really sure why he didn't try to push himself to the bank or, or paddle himself to the bank, but, um, you know, it was a serious situation. They say he prevented hypothermia, um, keeping his, most of his body out of the water. He kept himself up on the kayak and yeah, um, yeah. kept his core, you know, like all your your guts and your heart and your lungs, you know, your core stuff, man. You're keeping that warm and uh, it saved his life. And eventually he got to be, got to shore and he was ended up to walk somewhere to call for help. And it's very serious, man. And every year down here in Cincinnati, someone dies on the river. Yeah, and it's, it's every year. And um, someone will flip their kayak. You know, someone gets hurt, people get lost, and they eventually get found, and they're found floating down the river. And yeah. uh, that's that's a sad thing. And I advocate everybody to wear their uh, flotation devices. It, it's it's very important people do that. Um, I had another story too. 
<coughs> we had um just a second. So yeah, I had a brain fart there, but I was thinking my um one of my my wife's friend actually um her ex she has a son by a little boy by um he was bank fishing out uh, he went bank fishing he was wade fishing down the um east fork of the little miami river and uh he wasn't even in a kayak or nothing he was in you know um like chest deep water waist deep water well he ended up slipping on a rock and fell into the water and hit his head and yeah. i don't think he had um a, P a pfd on um or anything like that because he was just waiting you know i guess yeah. a lot of guys that wait maybe not wear them right but uh he ended up dying he he knocked his head out you know he went unconscious and he he, he wasn't able to save himself and he he drowned the death doing that and uh man they're just they're so important um even not yeah. in a kayak if you're in the water at all wear one i suggest yeah. that 100 percent yeah i agree i mean there's a lot of guys that can swim right but it's it's the unknown stuff right it's the hitting your head Right. And going unconscious. And that's when they really, uh, really come in hand. I mean, you know, I, I can I can tread water or whatever, but I, I can't swim for crap. So, you know, I'm always wearing one. I, you know, I, uh, you know, it, it's just not worth taking a chance it, it, as far as me. You know, I, I got friends of mine that won't wear them and that's, you know, so be it for them. But, you know, anyone that fishes any of my events, you know, you're going to wear it. And, uh, you mm -hmm. know, if you're you're ever, you know, part of that code of conduct thing. Right. If you're uh, ever caught you know, not wearing it, then, you know, you're not going to fish with us anymore. It's not a, uh, not even a, you know, a one, one time penalty or a warning. If, if you're not wearing it, you're not fishing with us. So, um, oh, wow. You know, I, I don't want to be the guy that has to knock on somebody's door and say, Hey, I'm sorry. You know, your kid didn't come home or your husband didn't come home or whatever. You know, I, I don't want to be that guy. So, um, you know, the people will wear them. I know it's very dangerous, man. And, you know, I'm glad to hear that. Um, I'm on the committee for the Buckeye Kayak Fishing Trail. And if anybody is out there caught without a, um, a flotation device, without a life jacket, you're disqualified, man. I mean, you're out. Um, you can come to a next event. As long as you keep your jacket on, you're fine. But we just had to disqualify a guy at our Dayton Rivers event because he wasn't wearing a life jacket. And we have even had somebody tell him, was like, hey, man, you need to be wearing a life jacket. You're fishing this tournament. I guess he got an attitude about it. And, um, you know, even had the chance. Someone even was nice enough to say, hey, put your, you know, put your life jacket on before somebody sees you. And he still got an attitude about it. So he was disqualified. And, you know, I'm going to see him again next year or something. But you got to wear the life jacket, man. These tournament trails take that very seriously. There's a reason they take it seriously. Yep. But, um, yeah, definitely, man. I, that was awesome having you on the show tonight. I really enjoyed talking to you. Um, do you have any shout-outs you want to give? Any sponsorships you want to talk about? Yeah, you know, uh, you know Dakota Lithium, um, you know, they've been uh, – you know, one of my biggest supporters, um, you know, they took, uh, you know, five of us from the Northeast, myself, Ken Wood, Joe Dedeo, um, Tyler Sweet, and uh, Casey Reed, um, you know, and they, you know, invested a great deal into us last year to uh, go fish the uh, KBF National Championship team event. Um, and, uh, you know, that was kind of a, like supposed to be a one-time deal, but, uh, you know, Craig Storm with Dakota Lithium, you know, he's like, you know, I want to carry this on, you know, so they continued the support for us throughout the whole season. And, uh, you know, and uh, for this coming national championship, you know, we'll be back. We're going to, uh, the the whole team's coming back and uh, hopefully uh, do a little bit better than we did last year. And, you know, hopefully we'll uh, 
be able to give that trophy to Dakota Lithium. Um, you know, I'm also on the uh, the catch team. Um, you know, it's a team unlike any other, man. Uh, you know, the support that uh, that Duke Westcamp and uh, Dave Brooke and those guys, you know, give back to the kayak anglers um, and even their team guys, uh, you know, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, they, they followed me around at East West Harbor um, videotaping, you know, put a, you know, put a, something out a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, with the, with my time out there. And, the, you know, I've never, never seen support like that from anybody else. Um, so, you know, like to thank them. Um, Three Bells Outfitters in uh, in Connecticut, you know, that where I've always been gone to get my hobies. Um, you know, they also carry Bonafide and Natives. But, uh, you know, they've been big supporters of me, um, you know, ever since I, you know, went and picked up my first Hobie. Um, you know, always taking good care of me, you know, treat me like family every time I'm in there. Um, uh, Yak Attack, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, they, uh, you know, they don't. Um, you know, just take anybody on their team. And, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for Luther and, uh, you know, appreciate him allowing me to be on that team. Um, you know, I've been a big supporter of their products, big fan of their products for a long time. Um, you know, and, you know, other than that, you know, you know, I, you know, I really just kind of want to thank my guys, you know, that fish with me at Maniac Anglers. You know, we, like I said, we got some, some amazing anglers up in the Northeast that, you know, that just don't travel, right? And, um, you know, they got their reasons. Um, you know, a lot of them are, are either young, um, have young families and don't want to leave their kids or whatever. But but I am by far not the uh, the best angler coming out of this state. You know, we got, you know, guys like Sam Cushing and Ryan Lachance, Jake Young, um, Adam Rourke out of New Hampshire, James Engel. Um, and then, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I call him the grandfather, you know, to, to, you know, kayak fishing in Maine. But Mark Campbell, um, you know, he doesn't travel at all. But, man, that guy fishes a pond um that his camp is on and you know it's unbelievable a guy goes out there um he's got like five or six kids um you know so he, he really doesn't travel but um but he loves to fish so he'll get off literally at like i think 3 3 30 in the morning go out and fish for like two two and a half hours in the pond by his camp um until his kids get up and that guy will put up 100 inches every month of smallmouth and uh you know, I, I don't know how he does it, but, uh, you know, it, it's guys like those that really kind of keep me going. You know, um, they push me to get better. You know, they support me. And, you know, um, you know, all those guys um, are coming to the national championship this year. You know, it was, it's great that they're finally, uh, you know, they were able to get things situated with their families and stuff and they're making the trip. But, you know, without those guys, you know, I probably still wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Well, it seems like you got a lot of good influence, good fishing influences, and sounds like a few guys I want to get on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I know you mentioned uh, you were uh, with Catchboard. I don't know if you can see my video feed, but I got me a Catchboard for Christmas. My wife got it for me. That's and awesome. uh, even got me the Yak Legion logo on it, which I thought was pretty awesome. Got my name at the end there. That's and, awesome. Uh, man, you these are impressive. Heavy. They're a little heavy. I'm kind of worried about it falling off the, out of my boat, but I'm gonna um, leash it off. Yeah, get a uh, get a never lost tether, man. Those uh, those never lost tethers, man. That's all I have in my kayak. Um, you know, another local company. You know, they they really kind of partner with Catch. Um, good guy runs a company. Um, you know, supports his guys. You know, 100% as well. And uh, you know, I, I use his tethers and. Uh, you know, if, if you didn't get one with it, you know, uh, let me see what I can do and, and try to get one out to you. But uh, but I've, I've got like five or six catch boards myself, man. I love the things, you know, Duke at one point said you got to stop buying those things. But, uh, you know, I just, you know, new colors come out. I enjoy them. And, 
you know, I, I hear the com- not really complaints, but some of them are about, you know, them being heavy. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, the thing weighs three pounds or out there trying to catch five pound bass and, you know, you catch a five pound bass and, you know, you know, you don't hear anyone complaining that it's too heavy. You know, they're <laughs> looking for the smaller ones. So, you know, just tether the thing off. I'm just the hog trough, you know, the hog yeah. troughs are really light. <laughs> They're also easily breakable. Yeah, so Catch is also coming out with a new board. It's uh, I can't remember. It's like a composite material. It's going to weigh like about a pound, um, but oh. it, it looks almost identical to the aluminum Catch boards. It's um, it's bright yellow. Um, it's got black lines on it. You know, one of the other things that, you know, people will say, that, you know, it's hard to see the lines when it's sunny and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, on the other ones, but those... Uh, those composite boards are testing right now. I know one of my catch guys, Tyler Sweet, he's got one testing it. Uh, Stormy's got one testing it. Um, and, uh, you know, those are going to be sweet. They'll be out right around the uh, national championship is the plan. Um, a lot of it's going to depend on how testing goes and, and securing material and stuff like that. But but those boards will will, uh, will uh, kind of put those naysayers and complain it's too heavy and put those to rest. But they're, they're, a, little bit more, they're a little bit more affordable too, right? Yeah, I think they're going to be like 30 bucks, right? So, you know, you look at 30 bucks hog trough. I mean, you know, the whole reason I went to catch is I broke three hog troughs in like, I don't know, probably six weeks one time. And I was yeah. done with it. And I said, you know, I spent as much money in hog troughs as I could on one catch board and the thing will never break. So, you know, really that that aluminum board is one you have for life. Right. I mean, you know, unless you don't tether it, and you lose, lose it overboard. I mean, there's really no reason why you would ever need another board. So, you know, at mm. 50 bucks or 60 bucks, whatever it is, 60 bucks shift, I think they are. Um, you know, you spend 60 bucks once and you never need another board or you buy a hog trough, you know, and if it breaks, you buy another one. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with those boards, you know, uh, you know, I used them up until I got my catch board, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I got no issues with the, the weight of them. Yeah. My hog trough lasted about two years doing tournaments and then Gunnersville done it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guntersville done it in, man. I think it was the heat, maybe, a week in the plastic. And it um, it kind of shifted. Something fell on it in my kayak, and it, and it broke. And it was after the tournament, thankfully. But um, I think it was when we were packing up and getting ready to go home, because I actually didn't notice it uh, broke until I got home yeah. and saw it that way. But, um, you know, yeah. I was surprised it lasted me that long, because they are flimsy boards. Yeah. You know, the troughs that I broke, I mean, they were completely my fault. You know, there's all kinds of tricks. You know, you put dowels, wooden dowels in the grooves, and it'll help stiffen it up. Um, I never did that, right? So my own fault. But, uh, you know, I broke two of my boards, you know, a day apart from one each, each other just from stepping on them, you know, tripping over something and, yeah. you know, stepping into the kayak and step on the fence and, you know, break it. And, you know, so it was my own fault. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the product's fault, but you know, step on one of those catch boards, and if anything, you know, you might hurt your shin when it bounces up at you, but, you know, you're not yeah. going to break something. You can hurt yourself with one of these. <laughs> I yeah. like it, though, man. I'm looking forward to putting some bass on it, man. Yeah, Hopefully, it's my good luck charm with the Yak Legion logo on it, and I'm excited, man. Yeah. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming on, Jason, and I uh, appreciate you talking bass fishing, man. Um, I hope you all have a happy and a safe new year. Uh, are you going out anywhere tonight? Or are you staying at home? No, I'm heading right upstairs, and, uh, you know, my wife and kid uh, are up there. Um, you know, we're going to uh, actually watch the movie Elf tonight. Uh, you know, it's uh, we always uh, like watching, you know, there's like three or four Christmas movies we like watching throughout the uh, the holiday time, and, you know, Elf is always the one for whatever reason that we watch on New Year's, so we'll be doing that tonight. Oh, yeah, Elf, Christmas Story, um, yeah. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Those are all movies you got to see every Christmas, man. Absolutely. We have certain days we watch each one of those. So, you know, my, uh, you know, my, my wife and kids, uh, you know, they, uh, 
they don't always like doing like me doing what I do, you know, the time it takes away from them, but you know, they also understand, you know, the, uh, that it helps keep me sane and keep me safe. You know, my, my kid, my son, Brady, he, uh, you know, he, he's, he fights every single day, you know, he, uh, you know, I don't know. He's a, he's an inspiration to me, man. He, uh, you know, he gets up every day and, and, you know, he's just a happy kid. He's a good kid. He's a kind kid. He, you know, he doesn't ever want to want to hurt anybody's feelings. You know, he's, he's, he's super sensitive, but, uh, but man, you know, um, you know, just an all around great kid. And, you know, he's turning into a great young man at 15 and, uh, you know, uh, anxious to get him out kayak fishing. It's not really his thing, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, my family is, uh, is, is more important to me, you know, really than fishing is, but they understand how important fishing is. They tolerate it. Oh yeah, man. Family first, family first. Well, enjoy yourself. Enjoy your movie, man. Maybe sneak you in a couple drinks when the kids aren't watching. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That might happen. But uh, all right, man. I, I I hope to hook up with you maybe uh, when you fish um, uh, Erie for the Hobie Bass Open. I, I think I want to fish that one, and I'll definitely back be back at East Harbor this year. I'll so I have to get with you, man. Shake your hand. We'll have to sit back and maybe talk for a little bit, man. Absolutely. See my cool guy. I'd love to talk fishing anytime, man. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. Have a good evening. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Season two of Yak Legion. Get excited, y'all. We're just getting started. <laughs>